Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. 15 after 10 o'clock, you're listening to The Talking Point. We're still leading the conversation on SAFM. I did say in this hour of the show, we're looking at some of the historical relationships that South Africa has had, in particular those that have contributed to the fight against apartheid. And they had, there is this exhibition taking place at the Apartheid Museum in collaboration with a whole host of partners. And it's really to highlight the contribution that individuals individual citizens and I think more broadly civil society in the U.S., the contribution that they had in the fight against apartheid. Joining me in studio this morning, uh, let me welcome all of my guests. It's a full house. I'm not used to the studio being as, as full as it is right now. I'll start on the right-hand side of the studio. Kefra Burns, author, editor and playwright. Good morning. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Good morning. Happy to be here. Senator Michael Mitchell, a former state senator in the U.S. Senator Mitchell, good morning. And a good morning. Sawabona to you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Sawabona to you too. Um, Alicia Adams is with the Kennedy Center. Alicia, good morning. Good morning. All right, I'm going to ask you just to move closer to that microphone so I can hear you better. And, of course, on the other end, we have uh, Susan L. Taylor, who's the editor of Essence magazine. Susan, good Former morning. Editor Former editor. Chief. All right, editor okay. Chief Emerita. Uh, yes, glad to be here. Uh, glad to have you in studio. All right, so everybody's mic is sounding good. We're situated. A good place to begin, perhaps, for this conversation is we have an exhibition like this taking place now. And the question for me, the obvious one to begin with is, is why now? Uh, because the the aim of it, the relationships it seeks to highlight, have been there for, for a long time. What makes this moment significant and important for an exhibition of, of this nature? I don't know who wants to go for that question first. I'm looking at Senator Mitchell and, and even Alicia, perhaps. Alicia, mm-hmm. let me give you the first tips. Yes, um I would be uh, delighted um, among this distinguished co- uh, company, uh, but uh, it's uh, Frederick Douglass said that in order to keep freedom, he must agitate, agitate, mm-hmm. and more importantly, to remind young people uh, the ability to be a part of society and they can redress their grievances through uh, what we did in the United States. And although the things aren't perfect, we were able to do a lot of things, and I'm reminded of the words, which I think is apropos to what's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are words like freedom, sweet and wonderful, say, on my heartstrings, freedom sings all day, every day. There are words like liberty that almost make me cry, and if you'd known what I know, you would have known why. And that was Langston Hughes talking about that essence of it. And so it's always... Uh, important to to highlight what we in America did and so that the protests are not left to the dustbins of history, mm-hmm. that you're giving people hope uh, that we could attack the economic policies, we could attack every, anything, uh, that every voice is important, people must vote. Uh, so therefore, that is the basis of things. And uh, just from my perspective, I'm the oldest of the group. So, <laughs> uh, and I was a former citizen student, was arrested with a number of people trying simply to get a hamburger or a mm-hmm. hot dog or a meal at a restaurant and was refused simply because of the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. And that's why um, it has a way of seething, becoming a part of you. So that's why we have 
we established in Maryland the sister state initially with the KwaZulu-Natal, which then it covers the South African government. And hopefully you, through art and those kinds of things, you can pierce the psyche of people to let them know that uh, we're not quite there yet. And there's yeah, a lot more yeah. to do. And, and, and a reminder perhaps that you know, when we look at change and significant moments, so we talk about 94 in this country, and that was the big moment that, of course, led us to this democracy that we had. But it took many small steps to contribute towards that change ultimately. And when we look at the actions of these individual citizens as a collective, a civil society, that it is, that's where the power lies if one is to ultimately achieve that change, Alicia. Mm -hmm. Yes, and maybe in not so poetic terms as the, yeah. as the senator. <laughs> I, I will say that what we understand is also about the media blackout in South mm -hmm. Africa during the apartheid years. So we're not sure that um, South Africans really understand as much as we would like to about what Americans did, uh, and particularly African Americans did to support the apartheid movement. Um, it was it was massive. Um, and I work for Harry Belafonte. And mm -hmm. so at the time, Transafrica was really at work with Randall Robinson leading that that effort to make sure that we had impact in terms of leading to the outcome that e that eventually happened. Mm. What should come in there? Well, I think also uh, for many of us in, in this room of our generation who lived this history, there is the assumption when we meet uh, people of a younger generation that, of course, everybody knows this history. We lived it, but that's not the case. And so <clears throat> there's, um, there's the need to, uh, to educate and enlighten a younger generation who was not there, who doesn't mm -hmm. know. Uh, about this history, not only in um, in South Africa, but also in America, a younger generation just has no idea of um, of you know what we lived through on college campuses in the 1960s mm. as part of this uh, anti-apartheid movement, as part of the civil rights movement. It, it ties into the idea of of ongoing struggles that. Um, the struggles of previous generations are very much tied to the struggles of present generations. And sometimes as young people, uh, one may look at the problems of today and think, well, our generation is facing the biggest problems that we have faced. And yet, if we look at history, we can see a pattern of previous generations also having to do what they needed to do to, to overcome the, those struggles. It's so true. And yeah. I think, you know, just what you said, it gives younger people um, hope and strategy and pathways. When mm -hmm. I think about African-American history, when I think about the history of African people on our continent here and what they withstood during colonialism, during the taking of resources, when I think about what our ancestors endured in the Western Hemisphere, that, this is not the rough side of the mountain. It's mm. not to minimize, you know, the struggles today and the things that we're fighting for and moving toward and that are the inequities that really have to be addressed. But they can't compare to what our foreparents withstood. And when we understand that, it gives us hope, it gives us courage, it gives us strength. Mm. 
Harry Belafonte's name has come up, and of course, uh, we know that uh, it was in, on 11 June in 1988, uh, where the world, of course, had its eyes on Wembley Stadium. Harry Belafonte performing at uh, that particular stadium and took part in uh, After Dark South Africa episode that was recorded uh, later that evening. And this is, I think, sounds that many of our listeners would also be used to, of course, because Harry Balafonte automatically has that Miriam Mageba link. And these are icons, not just to Americans, but also to South Africans. I want to play just a clip uh, of that to take us back to a particular moment in time and then uh, talk about Harry Balafonte and, and his contribution. And I think... There may be others that uh, the four of you may want to talk about again as part of that knowledge sharing. I would say that for those of us who have for a long time been focused on and deeply concerned about the atrocities that take place in South Africa, for us it was a great victory. Beyond the fact that we had an opportunity as artists to use ourselves uh, as, as eloquently as I have ever seen us use ourselves in the service of the humanity, namely the, the hopes and the aspirations of a people in the pursuit of their freedom and their human rights. It gave us an opportunity to give people who have been frustrated in the ability to express their concerns about what's going on in South Africa, we gave them a platform. The 60 stations around the world to have carried this broadcast, the 72 to 80,000 people to have been in Wimbledon Stadium today, for tens of millions of people to have viewed this event, I think is testimony to the fact that uh, there is a intense global consciousness and a desire on the part of many people to see this abhorrent system end and the people of South Africa achieve their rightful ends. Senator Mitchell, that is a song that South Africans still sing to date, a song that resonates with millions in this country because even the issue of land that Harry Belafonte is singing about in that song still very much remains an, an unresolved issue. Well, I started moving upon hearing it because I've heard the song before because mm-hmm. it had kind of, it's visceral and uh, it, it speaks to the oppression uh, that people have. I, I come from a family of freedom fighters in America and my father, the late Clarence M. Mitchell Jr., was the ambassador to the uh, United Nations in 1975. And uh, he had come from a background of civil rights. He was responsible for the 1957, 1960, uh, 1964 Public Accommodations and Employment Acts, and then the Voting Rights Act of 1965. And finally, the Open Housing Law that allowed blacks to be able to buy homes uh, throughout the country and become a part of the American dream. But in his capacity as a member of the United Nations uh, delegation from the United States, uh, there he thought it was important to speak about the oppression in South Africa. And therefore, he began to introduce resolutions. And one of the more interesting speeches was he condemned 
the Voorhoester regime, Voorhoester had been Minister of Justice and became Prime Minister. Mm -hmm. And this apartheid, this separateness kind of uh, uh, movement. And it, it, it was so interesting because it, it, it wove through every fabric of society with pass cards and photographs and people were subject to arrest uh, for simply trying, if they were out of the going to work and they didn't have the right card, then you could have been arrested. Uh, and then my father challenged uh, South Africa to do away with its repressive uh, policies. And at which point, uh, Prime Minister Volster called my father a liar and, uh, and held a massive press conference and said that, uh, have asked my father, just name one person being held illegally and imprisoned in South Africa. And whereupon my father produced over 5,000 ANC members, along with Nelson Mandela's name. And uh, to find out that uh, the Voorhees' government had claimed they'd all run off to Russia mm -hmm. and were hiding there when, in fact, they were uh, being held in prison and simply expressing their right to redress their grievances in government. And uh, then in response to that, Prime Minister Volster burned my father in effigy uh, in Pretoria, Cape Town, and in Johannesburg. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, uh, he then withdrew the ambassador in protest of my father's speech and thought that my father had simply lied about what was happening in mm. South Africa. But what it did was, and the forum of the United Nations, countries around the world became involved. I remember the story of the United Nations. Uh, the New York Times putting it on its front page uh, and other uh, newspapers around the world and people who simply didn't know uh, that all of this was happening because this the Voice regime had done a good job of uh, just having this kind of uh, system in place uh, where people weren't aware of things. Mm -hmm. And yet you had American companies and Americans who used their retirement monies that were being used to invest in companies to support this racist regime and uh, this uh, harm to human beings and their basic right to, to live. Uh, so that this is the kind of thing that makes a difference. And then, of course... Sure. I, I'm, I'm going to pause you there, Senator Mitchell, because we, we've got a, a news break coming up. But just, I mean, the, the wealth of, of that history, right? Uh, hearing you talk about it, absolutely incredible. Let's take the latest 10.30 news headlines. It's just after uh, 10.30. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on The Talking Point. We're looking at the U.S.-South Africa ties, in particular revisiting some of that long, rich history. And the people in the studio, I think, are carriers of that knowledge. Uh, it's been fascinating to listen to part of that history actually being shared. The one thing that I think sometimes it's easy to overlook and forget is that every individual that was contributing something towards the struggle was not doing it at no cost. It came at the cost of something. People needed to sacrifice something. Kefra, talk to me a bit about that because I'm listening to Senator Mitchell and he describes how his father had to face the backlash uh, as a result of the work he was doing, simply to say what is happening in this country is wrong. And he 
has as a child having to live with that but you know further than also continuing that that legacy in many ways your your own experience well um here first of all hearing the um the song by Harry Belafonte is bittersweet for all of us here in the studio mm. who actually knew Harry um I think he's we just lost Harry yeah and but I think he's still very much with us um Harry was involved in almost every aspect of both the civil rights movement and the anti-apartheid movement. And, uh, and he, he paid for that. Um, there were, uh, in television, in television, he lost um, uh, opportunities in television because he presented uh, African Americans, black people, and white people on the same stage, on the same set, on television, and and it was canceled. So he lost opportunities. But in talking to Harry, he never saw it that way mm-hmm. because people talk about how much Harry sacrificed, and and he said he didn't feel like he had sacrificed anything. Um, I think uh, I wonder about that, you know, because I think there's a lot that uh, Harry did. And I wonder whether or not he thought about the consequences ahead of doing that. And sometimes I just think Harry moved ahead and Mm -hmm. did what he felt was right and just without really considering the the consequences. When he uh, invited Sidney Poitier to join him on a trip down south to take uh, money, to the Freedom Riders mm-hmm. and, uh, and ended up being followed from the airport by the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, and there was, there was real danger there. Um, but those kind of things didn't seem to dissuade him from doing what he thought mm-hmm. was right. Um, Harry, was, uh, Harry was what I consider to be what an artist should be. And he, he was often fond of quoting Paul Robeson that artists are the gatekeepers of truth, civilization's radical voice and moral compass. Mm. And um, you're not just making art for art's sake, whatever that is. There's an end to making art, to enlightening and uplifting people and giving them hope and courage to move ahead, to do what is, um, what is needed, what is right and just for society. So, yes, there were sacrifices that people made, and, and some were aware of the sacrifices that, uh, you know, and the risk that they had put themselves in. Uh, a lot of folks that I knew in, um, in college went to jail, you know. So, um, but you move ahead. You move ahead because this is what's needed. We have the benefit of having this conversation almost 30 years into democracy. So Alicia, you come to South Africa to talk about these, you know, voices that helped to be where we are today. Do you land at Oartambo International Airport? And one of the things you, you think about is, this is South Africa. What do you think of South Africa today? I was just talking with Kefra about that yesterday and saying that South Africa is a place that has always felt like home to me. Mm -hmm. I've come here over the past uh, 30 30 years and to to work on arts projects. So it is a place that I I see parallel in many ways historically to the, the United States. 
And one thing um, that that Harry did was not only use his platform to serve people himself, but he brought others. He invited others in to do that as well, sponsoring uh, a Hugh Masekela or Miriam Makeba, Leda Mbulu, Kaifa Semenya, um, many of those um, artists. And, and Harry would say he would put them on um, to open up his show. And he would say, I know that this audience is not interested in hearing these performers, mm. but they will mm. because I am here and they have come for, for me. And was such, so it was a great opportunity and a great way also to continue to spread that message. And the song that you just heard, to hear that uh, music being sung by South African artists was an extraordinary experience for for the artist, his commitment um, to serving people, to serving humanity, to doing what was right, is beyond anything that I've ever seen seen before. And he he was he was not um, afraid of what would happen if he if if he said something. Um, I know one of his uh, just a funny thing. One of his his coaches said Harry 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 said you know. I stand on that stage and I talk about uh, apartheid and I talk about injustice and I talk about civil rights and um, nothing seems to happen. And the, the his coach said, well, clearly, Harry, they are only looking at you and not listening to you. So <laughs> that was one thing. But I think they were listening mm-hmm. to him and taking mm-hmm. it in, in a very different different way. Mm-hmm. I'd like to add to um, uh, something that Alicia just said, and that is many of us first learned about South Africa uh, because uh, Harry had brought uh, Hugh Masekela and Miriam Makiba um, to the United States and um, and assisted. The very first album that uh, Hugh Masekela uh, uh, released in the United States, the Americanization of Ooga Booga, I first heard in high school, and that's how my generation and my friends uh, first learned anything mm. about South Africa, not only about the oppression, but about the beauty of the uh, of the culture. And the other thing is, uh, Alicia said <laughs> about Harry um, not being afraid to speak up um, or go where he needed to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was with Harry at lunch uh, once uh, when just out of the blue, Harry said, um, you know, we should go to the Su- Sudan. Let's go to the Sudan. <laughs> And my wife, my <laughs> wife turned to me and said, "You're not going to the Sudan." Poitier, who said, "I'm not traveling with you anymore oh, right. after that trip <laughs> to the <laughs> south," but almost right. cost them their right. lives. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it will be interesting to hear that being said even today. Unfortunately, Sudan hasn't moved forward very much looking at the current struggles that is still embroiled in. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, Susan, you said something interesting earlier around pathways. And one of the conversations that is going to be had as a result of this exhibition is how to ensure that we confront injustice where we see it at home, where we see it abroad. And I I want to explore that idea of pathways a bit further with you. What are those pathways that young people can be looking at where there is a way to deal with the frustration and not just leave it at being frustrated and, you know, almost paralyzed by that frustration and not seeing a way beyond it. We'll continue this conversation after this.
Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. We're still leading the conversation on SAFM. We're looking at some of those historical links between South Africa and the U.S. An interesting exhibition taking place at the Apartheid Museum. Museum. If you have time, I think, make your way down there. I'll also take some of your calls on 086-000-2032 to engage with our guests. We're joined by Kefra Burns, author, editor, and playwright. We have Senator Michael Mitchell in studio as well. Uh, We have Alicia who is with the Kennedy Center, and we also have uh, Susan Taylor, who, of course, is a former editor-at-large of Essence magazine. Uh, Susan, injustice continues the world over, and more and more we're seeing young people increasingly frustrated with that injustice. And often what young people again are told is that you have to learn to solve your own problems, right? Um, don't stop complaining about it, do something about it. What are those pathways? Um, Because in conversations, at least, that that I've had with young people sometimes, they don't know what it is that they have to do outside of perhaps the protesting that seems to get attention very easily, but sometimes is not as effective as it could be. And not effective because very often it's not sustained. Mm. But I think it's it's building multi-generational coalitions mm. so that we're not, you know, marginalizing older people who have the wisdom and the experience and giving young people who have the energy, the passion, and the time very often to lead. And I think that's probably the older generation's challenge is knowing when to step back, mm. you know, knowing when to bring young voices forward. Pathways, the biggest pathway is education. It's really understanding where you are and why you're there. One of the things that um, I'm very proud of, Kefra Burns is my husband, he wrote mm. the, the exhibition that people are going to go and see mm. at the um, Apartheid Museum. And Alicia Adams, who is one of the leaders at the Kennedy Center, is going to bring the exhibition to the Kennedy Center. You know, it's important that African-Americans, young African-Americans and young, you know, people all over the globe understand what black young people did to dismantle apartheid. Sidney Poitier, I meant uh, Harry Belafonte, and people who are well-known, I mean, they did a lot. But it was that everyday struggle, the young Mm. people showing up, young people protesting. If you don't understand the history then you don't see a pathway. Mm. Because as we all know, when you understand the history and really what happened here, which is unimaginable, that in a in a land that is that belonged to African people, if we can if the land can belong to anybody, that they were pushed aside and that a smaller group of people who had weapons and other things that empowered them could come and oppress people for so long? What happened Mm -hmm. to African Americans? But if we don't understand the history, if we don't understand something of what it meant to be captured from our motherland, put in the bottom of slave ships, whipped, sold, um, enslaved for hundreds of years, then we're going to think that the things that we're dealing with today, that are not small issues, Mm -hmm. but we're going to think they're insurmountable. Mm -hmm. And I always come back, I have to tell myself this all the time, what we're experiencing today, what young people are just disgusted by, 
and very often traumatized by. Today, these are not the hardest things that humanity has had to deal with. Mm. And we're not talking about going back only hundreds of years. We can go back decades and see what people have withstood. So I think it's education, it's reading, it's making sure that we bring people who have lived through those experiences to speak to younger people, to inspire them, Mm. and to listen to them. This is a thing that some of the elders don't do. We don't listen. Mm. You know, it's all from us, about us, and it's didactic. But young people have to be encouraged, and they have to have spaces where they can gather. They have to be heard. I think it's important also to to remember that uh, Harry Belafonte and Sidney Poitier and, and Martin Luther King Jr., those were young, young people. Mm. Those were young people. They were in their 20s and 30s at most when they were uh, becoming active. Uh, and Harry always says he was an activist, an activist that became an actor and a singer. And one of the things he did in, uh, in later life was he, he convened a, a gathering of the young people. To find, to listen, and find out what it is that um, that they want to share, mm. and organize them uh, into uh, a, an activist um, organization that's called the Gathering for Justice. Young people. There has to be an agreement mm-hmm. among people that we're not going to have that infighting that destroys movements. Mm-hmm. You know, that there is going to be a leader and that leader is going to be collaborative, not autocratic, you know, not dictatorial, that everybody gets to have some say-so. We see so many things that are so needed um, in society destroyed from within the organizations themselves. Mm-hmm. Senator Mitchell, did yes. you give a chance to I think it's important to be, be remiss if I didn't mention uh, the chair of our group, that's here from the state of Maryland. That's Dr. Jean Bailey, who's vice president of Howard University, which is an educational forum that hosted Mandela Fellows. And I understand you were a Mandela yeah. Fellow. Uh, and that's how we have the exchanges with young people. But as a, as a young person at 15 years of age, I was beaten by police simply trying to get food at a restaurant in Baltimore City. Uh, And then I knew that that was the ultimate sacrifice you pay. Uh, Dr. King said, unearned suffering is redemptive. And uh, you should have seen that the movement consisted of 14, 15, 16-year-olds and college students who at 18 and 19 years old were putting their lives and their bodies on the line because they believed in this cause of freedom, which was given to them by their forebears. Uh, you know, we, this was a long struggle in America and where you could still be relevant and hit people where it hurts is through the pocketbook. And that's why the investment of effort was started to keep uh, these companies from making money off of the uh, oppression happening in South Africa. Same thing in the United States of America. Mm -hmm. It's the rich versus the poor. And uh, more importantly, young people can buy continually talking about this. I can remember what Harry Belafonte did for me personally. I was a young man and went to the Manhattan School of Music to meet Hugh Masekela. And then I graduate from high school and go to Lincoln University in Pennsylvania. And who should I meet and hear? 
Pata Pata by Miriam Makiba, <laughs> and who then got me interested. And there was a movement called SWAPO that was involved in fighting against the Southwest protected territories mm-hmm. and what people were doing. Now, this is the early 60s. And uh, so I got in, came, joined in common cause uh, with picketing the South African embassy in D.C. as a young college student because of Harry Belafonte's role. And he also brought, uh, you know, so many t- people who have received stardom or attain it uh, forget about those uh, as they move on. But Harry Belafonte never forgot that uh, he believed in that the fighting yeah. for your people is the rent you pay for your space on this earth. And until his, his last days, he embodied all of that. Consistency. I think is is one of the words that's coming up that yeah. you you have to have true commitment to a cause if it is to get anywhere. We're going to take a quick break. We've got a number of callers lined up. I'll be taking those calls after this. Yeah. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. Said Senator Mitchell, I'm going to give you just a bit to conclude that thought you had. uh, That was on Harry Belafonte. I can remember in 1963, August the 28th, for the March on Washington, uh, and there at National Airport in D.C. was Harry Belafonte bringing a plane load of actors and actresses from Hollywood to join in common cause with that March historic March on Washington. Washington, in which Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. gave that historic speech. But, uh, and then uh, it's uh, finally my grandmother, Dr. Lily Mae Carroll Jackson, who was a longtime freedom fighter in Maryland, she said that, uh, you know, you, you don't get a first class education and then don't segregate yourself into intelligentsia if you give back to the people, come home to assist. And finally, she said, Jesus only had 12. One of them was always doubting him, another one turned him into police. But yet he turned the whole world around so that it only takes a few committed souls. And you will see in the civil rights movement mm-hmm. and in all movements, it's just a few people who take the initiative. And that's why you don't have to have the numbers. But it was the young people here in, in Soweto and other places who put their bodies on the line, lost their lives to make it different. So as in the United States, there was Goodman, Schwerner, and Cheney, uh, uh, two white young students from the Northeast and a young black man, were murdered by the Ku Klux Klan uh, in Mississippi uh, simply for seeking their rights. And the same thing happened here and stuff. So the similarities are there. And I encourage young people to always, I'm a young 78, and till the day I die, I will, you know, you say, oh, freedom, oh, freedom over me. Before I be a slave, I'll be buried in my grave and go home to my Lord and be free. Do it. And I repeat that only because we can touch, if you touch one young person and prick their conscience, they can turn the whole world around. Ah, very powerful. Very, very powerful. Nigel in Durban, good morning to you. Thanks so much. I'll be as brief as possible. Um, fascinating discussion. I, I read uh, in a number of American publications on the state, and, on, and I'm very interested in the history of black suppression and liberation insofar as it happened uh, in the states. And what shocks me now is the extent to which various Republican administrations are bent on suppressing knowledge of black, uh, black-white relations, um, beginning with slavery and continuing through racism and the white supremacy. Suppressing knowledge, censoring libraries, censoring um, 
uh, classroom books uh, forbidding teachers to to teach. I'm talking of school teaching, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the, the Republicans are obviously, especially somebody like Dov, uh, Ron DeSantis in in the in Florida. The Republicans are afraid of the truth, afraid of democracy, because both threaten their political position. I'd be very much interested to hear your panel's comments. All right, Nigel, thanks for that. Thank you, Kathy. Samkelo in Kabeja, good morning. Hi, good morning, Kathy. Good morning to your listeners. Um, I caught the conversation halfway out in hospitals, but um, I'm just very excited to acknowledge when uh, the role Harry, Harry Belafonte played in the struggle against the apartheid. I just remember him putting in my dad's old LPs when I was very young, and he'd hear him trying to speak Isitosa and saying Baleka, Baleka. And it was very amazing to hear this American man who had taken our struggle and made it his own. Mm. Um, so I'm quite excited. Really, really, he played an amazing role in our country and in making awareness for our struggle. And yeah, man, and especially for these people, for the exhibition that's going on now, well, kudos to them. It would be nice if it would also be carried to all citizens of Africa, especially the native cities, including Kadeha. Mm. Just to, I mean, people who are younger than us, I'm 40 years now, um, I'm sure they don't have an idea of everything else that happens to get to us, to get where we are today. Absolutely, Samkelo. I mean, just by way of this conversation, I think there's so much that, yeah. that I've learned listening to the contributions of, of our guests too. Uh, so I think mm. you make a very important point. Um, yeah, yeah let, let's leave it there uh, and agree with him. You know, hearing uh, Harry, Belafonte, Harry Belafonte singing Um to is powerful and it just resonates because, you know, we have South Africans that don't, don't take time out to learn other people's languages to even know the lyrics of, of a song like that. And and yet you look at the fact that, you know, generations behind us were seemingly so much further ahead of us. Um, and that, that, that remains true. But but to the question that Nigel asked, I don't know who wants to answer that question. Um, do you want to go for it, Torres? Sure. I think we've seen this uh, before. We saw it in Germany in the 1930s, the banning of books. Uh, or, or any kind of freedom of expression is the death of democracy. Um, we saw censor- censorship uh, in um, in South Africa early on. Uh, we, you know, we did not control the narrative. We did not get our stories out there, and it wasn't until the advent of, uh, for my generation at least, the advent of books like uh, J.A. Rogers, uh, The World's Great Men of Color, and then books that followed after that, um, Chancellor Williams' The Destruction of Black Civilization. We did not have access to those kind of things growing up in grammar school. We started to get a few of them in high school. And then with the advent of black studies now, we know uh, black studies has given the lie to the assertion that black people globally contributed nothing to uh, to world civilization. We know that's not true right now. And so there's been a backlash to this truth-telling uh, we see now in the United States where they want to ban these books. They, you know, they've made uh, 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 critical race theory, which is not taught in any schools. It's a law school uh, class. They've made that a, a boogeyman. You know, and, and and so they're banning anything that tells the truth about um, about uh, our contribution in America and and globally. 
Um, and I think of, you know, there's a metaphor in the missing nose of the Sphinx. It's, there's always been this uh, um, move to try to erase anything that, you know, that, that uh, demonstrates our contribution to the world. We're going to have to wrap it up here because we're, we're out of time for this conversation. Alicia, I want you just to talk briefly the importance the of the, that the arts can play in history sharing, in memory, in preservation even of memory. Thank you so much for that question because I've been dying to say that we have to remember the power of the arts, mm. the power of the literary arts, the power of the performing arts, the power of the visual arts. People are always threatened by that because it is a way of, of truth-telling. Um, John Connie um, performed and won with, I'm not remembering the other actor's, actor's name at this moment, uh, for Siswi Banzi is Dead on, mm -hmm. on Broadway. And when he returned home, he was put in jail for having done that play in the, in the United States. Um, I'm, I'm at the Kennedy Center. One of the things that I have been able to do is to continue to bring um, uh, artists from Africa, from South Africa, to the United States to perform on our stages and to see them throughout the, the country, because that is powerful. In 1997, I um, did a festival called African Odyssey, and I started that festival as a four-year initi initiative with South African artists because I knew that uh, Americans had heard South African artists on, on the radio and performance, and largely because of Harry Belafonte. And so we were able to s start in a very successful way sure. and with Harry, Harry leading. But the, the arts are very powerful. It's the tool that Harry used and um, it's, it's, it's one that continues. All right. I'm to going to have to cut it off there. We're, we're late for news. Thank you. Dr. W.E.B. Du Bois, who talked of Pan-Africanism in the souls of black folks. And that was my seminal work to the, my epiphany learning with that we, we've got to join in common cause with our African brothers. Mm -hmm. Doc, uh, President Mandela, with this final quote said, there's an unbroken umbilical cord between American blacks and blacks of South Africa. All right. We're going to have to leave it on that note. You're so poetic. My gosh. <laughs> Two minutes after 11 o'clock. I'm sorry. Late for news. Good morning, Anne.